Hey, y'all, and welcome back to the On Iowa podcast. I'm Leah Van, your Hawkeye beat writer for the Gazette, and today I'm joined by the head strength and conditioning coach at Iowa, Raymond Braithwaite. Ray, how are you doing today? Doing well. Good morning to you. Awesome. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on, especially since I've already spoken to you before, so we're a little bit familiar. Um, so first off, uh, there's some things that I didn't get to ask you last time because I learned a little bit more about you after I had spoken to a lot of your friends. So I hear you're a big bookworm and I was wondering if you've read any interesting books lately. Lately? Let's see, I read, I read the, uh, a biography on Genghis Khan that was really interesting. Um, I read... Let's see what else. I'm reading a book called Never Enough by uh, Mike Hayes, who spoke to the team last year, former uh, commander of a Navy uh, SEAL unit. That's oh, really wow. um, I think what else I'm into. I read Freedom by Sebastian Younger. Excellent book. Highly recommended. What's that uh, one about? Freedom is about like, so he, Sebastian Younger took a journey through like uh, uh parts of the Appalachian mountains and he intersperses his um, experiences through his travels with um, talking about freedom. He talks about native American um, culture and different tribes. And um, he kind of intertwines his experiences um, hiking through the the mountains with past experiences of, you know, people through history. So. Wow, that's really interesting. Um, is there a genre you tend to lean toward when you're reading, when you're picking out a book? Um, I'm all over the place. Like one of my, for example, one of my favorite books is The Slight Edge, a book that we read um, with the team that I, I tend to go back to and read every year, just reminders, just stuff that, you know, it's always good to feed back into. Um, I read The Daily Stoic every day, just a health mental, just getting myself squared up, mental approach. So I, I, I bounce around quite a bit. I think I saw Spencer Petrus actually repost like the Daily Stoic from his Instagram or something. So is that something that you share with the team? No, but I know a lot of guys are, are into it. I mean, I know a lot of guys on our strength staff read it, um, either listen to it or read it. So is that kind of more like inspiring stories or just like mantras to think about as you go throughout your day, like points of inspiration? Yeah, it's more of like a daily approach, something to focus on um, throughout your day. What is the slight edge about? So the basic concept of the slight edge is, is really emphasizing the, the importance of daily disciplines done consistently over time, leading to bigger results. So it's, it's pretty easy to apply to your life. Especially strength and conditioning. <laughs> right. right. That seems like very highly applicable to what you do. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then the one other thing, which I think one of your friends, it might have been Derek, um, brought up. He said that you have some something interesting to say about Turkish get-ups. <laughs> uh, conversation. So what is your take? So Turkish get-ups. So when we were at Delaware State, um, I used Turkish. For first, first of all, let me uh, describe what a Turkish get-up is. Right, yeah. Because it's, you know, there's... You know, you, there's Turkish get-ups that are done with like a kettlebell, um, just as actual like mobility, you know, movement. We use them as a form of uh, behavior modification. Let's just say that. So 
We would, uh, so the way we did Turkish get-ups at uh, Delaware State when I got there, um, we would make our guys hold a 45-pound uh, plate yeah. for them to get on the ground without taking your hands off the plate. So they have to figure out a way to get on the ground without taking their hands off the plate. Once they figure that out, then they have to stand back up again without taking their hands off the plate and then press the plate over the head. So as you can visualize in your mind, that'd be pretty challenging. So um, that was only used when guys were late. Oh, how many would they have to do? Um, usually start out with 10. Oh, man. But, you know, if you take your hands off the plate, that's extra rep. So 10 can usually turn into 15. <laughs> but again, it was only used as, you know, we don't do that anymore. Um, I don't do it here currently. It was only a thing I did at, at Delaware State. But um, when you show a plate, there's got to be um, a penalty to that. It has to be addressed and and that's, again, it was used for behavior modifications to get guys get going in the right direction. And yeah, I mean, it is quite the full body workout to do a Turkish getup. Yeah, especially in that, in that, uh, in that manner. But. I've never done it with a plate, but I've done it with a kettlebell and that was, that was hard enough. <laughs> yeah, just with kettlebells, it's pretty challenging, so. Um, yeah, so I think, um, people are probably interested in the strength program and like how it works, you know, a little bit. Um, of course, Iowa highly values it and it's talked about all the time. And especially as a newbie writer, I'm always interested. Um, so what does a typical week look like for an athlete right now during the summer? So right now we're training five days a week. Um, four of those days are Hardcore strength conditioning days, speed, and like a 30 to 45 minute speed session followed by better part of an hour in the weight room. Um, so we hit that Monday, Tuesday, and then again, Thursday and Friday. Um, Wednesdays are dedicated to our position specific uh, drill work. So quarterbacks do what quarterbacks do on the field, running backs do what running backs do, but based on position. Um, so that's basically the, the five day window of, of what our guys are into um, right now. Um, our heaviest conditioning days are, are typically on Tuesdays and, and Fridays, given the, the you have a, a window of time to recover from those conditioning sessions. So that's what that's the, the broad kind of nuts and bolts of what we're into right now. Those heavy condition days, what do those look like? Um, well, as we progress, you know, we typically don't start out in the summertime, early in the summertime, focusing on conditioning. Um, the first week or two is just getting our feet wet. You know, we're coming off of a, of a May break, a three week break. So it's really just developing our, our general overall work capacity those first couple of weeks. And then as we get closer to camp, that's when the conditioning ramps up and kind of grade things up in, in that manner and program it so that our heavy, heaviest conditioning comes towards the end of the summer. So once we come out of this week long break that we're into right now for the week of the fourth, is this is a, this is a, a, a ramp up in our conditioning. So um, Tuesdays are typically um, shorter conditioning sessions relative to Fridays. Fridays is our biggest, beefiest conditioning day. Again, giving us, uh, since we have a Saturday and Sunday to recover, and there's a, on Fridays, uh, the conditioning is broken up with some change direction conditioning as far as well as linear speed conditioning. Um, 
and the volume increases over a three week window with, with those things. So. Yeah. So man, you're really making your athletes hate Fridays then. <laughs> yeah. Or it's something I look forward to. I Is guess. it? Oh man. <laughs> um, what? Yeah. So you said like there's change direction and uh, I think you said you're, you just said like change direction conditioning and stuff. So what is like, uh, what does one of those conditioning days look like? What kind of drills are you running and what is it, um, how does it build over time? So for example, let's just focus on the Fridays, really simple. Um, uh, so change direction conditioning we do in the form of a 60 yard shuttle. So it's yard sprint, touch the line, 15 yard sprint back, 15, 15. So you accumulate 60 yards in the form of 15 yard sprints. And we'll have those interspersed with just a regular running 55 yards and everything is timed. So um, everything's lined up based on position, work to rest. And um, again, those things are, are ramped up as we, as we progress through the summer. Uh, so as you ramp them up, is it adding more reps or? It's volume, correct. Decreasing the time that they have to make. No, the, the times, the, the, the rest intervals stay consistent. It's the increase in volume. Changes. Um, so there's obviously a method to the madness, like the way that you have scheduled, you scheduled this all out. Is there like, um, like, is there a strategy as to why you do certain things on different days? You're talking about in terms of summer, just the overall. Yeah. In summer and like the overall, like typical week of conditioning that we just. Well, we do our heaviest lower body training day is going to be Monday because we want that to be separate. We want to have a little recovery window from when they have to condition again. If that makes sense. We want to separate yeah. two days. Um, well, quote unquote, her upper body emphasis would be on Tuesday because we know in the afternoon or post-workout, we're going to be doing a ton of conditioning. And then Wednesday is our position-specific drill work. And then we repeat lower body emphasis. I mean, every day we're working total body, but as far as the emphasis goes, have your lower body on Thursday and then upper body on Friday, knowing that we have a heavier conditioning day later on the day on Friday. Yeah, because for me, I, you know, I did my, did a lot of leg weights like yesterday and then I, or two days ago, and then I went and played sand volleyball for three hours yesterday and I'm really feeling it. And so I was like, this probably was not smart. <laughs> so I imagine like if you're doing a heavy emphasize like leg day and then you're going and running a lot, it's probably a challenge for the athlete. Probably a challenge. <laughs> um, so what I was kind of also interested is a lot of Iowa recruits come in like having played a certain position and then they change positions. Um, one guy that comes to mind is like Jack Plum. He was a tight end in high school and now obviously he's offensive line. Um, so when there's like a changing of positions, whether coming out of high school or even in within the program, like a guy moves from linebacker to, you know, defensive line, um, does that change their strength protocol at all? Or how do you adjust your plan for that? Typically, um, when there's a position change, you know, that's discussed between the head coach, position coach, and then I, I get brought into the mix as far as, you know, hey, this guy switched positions. So um, in the case of a Jack Plum that understands he has to gain body mass, a lot of that comes in the form of like his diet and his lifestyle has to change a little bit in order to put on a uh, good body weight. Um, 
Because one thing you have to remember is, you know, as a strength conditioning coach, we control the stimulus. Like we know we get our guys for two hours a day. It's the other 22 hours of the day that's going to really impact their development, the way they eat, the way they sleep, you know, the way they recover. And those are the things that are going to play the biggest impact into their development in, in, in terms of that position change. Obviously, the caloric needs are going to increase right over time. Like if they've been cutting corners on sleep, that's going to put a hard cap on their ability to grow because growth occurs when they're when they're at rest. So it, um, education is key um, when it comes to you know guy knowing that he has to put on a significant amount of weight if it's a if it's a guy that's going making a huge change, whether it be going from uh, say from linebacker to defensive end, or if a guy comes in as a tight end and he knows he has to put on weight to become offensive line, then he understands that his 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 daily disciplines are going to have to be squared away in order for that change to, to happen. So. Yeah, I, that goes into my next question is in what ways do you work with the sports nutrition staff um, or do they just kind of, do you operate just independently? No, we, we, there are times when we have to bring in the sports nutrition staff, you know, we do a lot of that stuff on our own because we, we have our eyes and hands on our guys every day. So impact, we feel like we can impact them the most, but there are times where we do have to bring in um, our nutritionist that's on staff to help some of our guys because some of them need extra help in, in dealing with the transition to college and dealing with the transition in, in terms of, you know, if they're having issues with gaining weight that, that we need to bring in somebody that can address those issues with them. But one of the things that we do as soon as they get on campus is have our guys fill out a three-day dietary analysis just so we can see how they are eating because your diet's going to be different when mom and dad are, are fixing your meals and preparing your meals and making sure you eat breakfast and make sure you eat dinner versus when you're in the dorm and you're left to your own devices. So um, we have to educate them. I mean, uh, just in terms of that, nu nutrient timing is key. A kid might be, you know, used to their mom waking them up for, for dinner or for breakfast every morning, and then they get in the dorms and they're not eating their first meal until 11 o'clock. Um, things, just simple things like that are huge, you know, just teaching guys that they can't come in and train and expect to train really hard and heavy for two hours on an empty stomach. So they have to know that they're, you know, never train on an empty stomach, book, 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 end your day. So always eat something before you train in the morning and eat something before you go to bed at night. Um, so all those things go into it. Yeah. I, w I wanted to know, uh, you kind of spoke to this, but what are often like the biggest challenges for athletes, um, you know, when they're trying to say gain weight or lose weight or, you know, get reach their goals per se. Mm -hmm. Typically it's just a lack of knowledge, like just knowing the basics. Um, this, the, cause the dietary analysis gives us an open window into their lifestyle. Like, you know, if a guy's not, getting up early enough to, to eat something, typically it's a sleep issue. It's, it's like, okay, hey, I got to sleep to the last second, possible second I can in order to get up and go to the complex. So, you know, so why are you doing that? Like, well, I went to bed at this hour. So I can, you know, so, okay, why are you going to bed so late? So that leads into time management. Like how are you managing your time to allow yourself to eat the way you need to eat? And then sometimes it's, they say they don't know what to eat. So then we take them to our refueling station, okay? You need, so you have, if it's, if we're doing a dietary analysis during the school year, right before school starts or, or when school has started in their, in their first month of school and they're navigating classes. Okay. What's your heaviest class day? Okay. It's Tuesday. I have three back-to-back -back classes in the middle of the afternoon. I don't have time to go back and grab, grab lunch. Okay. Go to the refueling station. 
grab two sandwiches, grab yourself a, a kale salad, get some shake, like, so we can kind of help them map out their day to, to meet their caloric needs in order for, to allow them to grow um, and to, to get where they need to be physically. Is there like an average number of hours of sleep that they need to be getting? I mean, is it typically eight, like standard? It's, eight's the gold standard. Eight is where we want our guys to be if they're going to grow. And, and sleep is not just, uh, it, it just plays into everything that they do in terms of being a collegiate athlete. Like if you're not sleeping well, chances are you're, you're struggling academically. Chances are you're not absorbing the things that are being taught to you um, by your position coaches. Chances are you're struggling in practice. So sleep, I mean, it's number one performance enhancing drug guys can get and everybody has access to it, but not everybody takes advantage of it. So um, I'm a big proponent of guys sleeping. I think that's where it all starts. Yeah, I mean, I think that, that what's interesting is you said that it is the time when their body does a lot of rest and also growth. Um, so yeah, what would you say, um, how would you determine like the optimum weight, um, for an athlete to like perform at their peak? That's very individualized. I don't think there's a hard stamp that this guy has to be this weight, like just arbitrary. I mean, it's, I don't think it's an arbitrary pull out of the sky number right. that goes into, um, their position. Um, positional app, like a lot of things go into that. How does your body move? Like a guy might weigh 220 pounds and putting an extra five pounds on it might be detrimental to their performance on the field. So you gotta, you gotta, you can't just kind of put a rubber stamp on it. And this guy has to weigh this without taking a lot of factors into consideration. And is that something that they feel out themselves or is it something that you also like monitor because I know that there were like some weight changes this summer and that were like tweeted out and I just was like oh well and how important is that like number to certain athletes and there were some recruits I talked to who were like yeah I tend to move better at this weight or I tend to tackle better at this weight so yeah is it something that you evaluate or that they evaluate themselves well we all like Sports med about evaluates it. I evaluate it because it's a, there's a health and safety component to monitoring an athlete's body weight as well. Like if you have no idea where an athlete's body weight is and there's a huge drop in it, that could speak to like, is this kid drop, coming down with something? Is there illness involved? Is it, is it a dehydration issue? And if you have no idea where a kid normally is and then there's a change, I mean, that's that the body weight is just another data point for us to evaluate a bunch of different things. Mm -hmm. If a kid isn't sleeping well and isn't eating well, and you have no idea what their body weight is, I mean, all those things come into play when evaluating and, and kind of looking at the whole entire entirety of that athlete. Yeah. What would you say are kind of the pillars of your training philosophy and why? The pillars? Mm -hmm. Um as far as in terms of nuts and bolts strength conditioning, like the way we design a program, everything we do is ground-based. Um, we're a ground-based program. The more force you place around, the faster you're going to run, the higher you're going to jump. Um, we use three-dimensional movements. Football is a three-dimensional sport. You have to be able to stabilize in all three planes of, of, of motion. And, and we use multi-joint movements. Um, you have to be coordinated from the tips of your toes to the tips of your fingertips. Um, we don't train in anything in isolation. So 
those are, those are the three nuts and bolts, you know, things that we focus on in terms of picking movements and choosing movements in the weight room. And how often are you checking in on like certain measurements? I know that some some athletes were saying that Xavier Williams had like a remarkable vertical measurement this past summer. I don't know if you can speak to that and um, how often you're evaluating these things. Well, our biggest test window um, would be in the winter time, uh, coming out of our winter phase. Um, and that's when we do a majority of our, our, our testing where we test like their 10, their verb, their change direction. Um, the summertime is more focused on position specific um, drill work and really the specificity of playing the sport of football. The wintertime tends to be more general in terms of our training. And the closer we get to camp, we try to get more specific in terms of our conditioning and um, our performance on the field. Because that's, you know, at the end of the day, that's where <laughs> everything, everything happens, so. Right. If you can jump high, but you can't say like catch a ball or something, it's not <laughs> super relevant. <laughs> right. um, yeah. What do you, what would you say is um, like the most difficult part of your job? The most difficult part of the job. Good question. Um, the hardest part of the job is when things when, when you see how hard guys work and the outcomes aren't what the athlete wants them to be, that's, the, that's tough. That's tough. Whether it be on the field or in the weight room, because you're around them so much and you see how much kids invest. And when things don't work out the way we all want them to work out, that's hard. That's, that's really hard because we all spend so much time around one another. I see uh, the guys on the strength staff, the five full-time strength coaches, and I see our players more than I see my own family. So I'm just as invested in, in their futures and their, you know, what they, their, their uh, goals as I am with my, my own family's goals. So when the things don't line up there, that's, that's tough. Is there, um, what, how do you address those situations? Do you, like, I'm sure a player might get frustrated and do you just say like, trust the process? I mean, how do you approach that? I always try to highlight what they've done right. Like, cause they may put so much stock in the one thing and I try to make sure they see the entire picture. Like they have to understand that just because this one thing didn't go correct this one time, you're getting better in other areas. Just don't lose sight of that. So you just got to make them make sure they see it. They see the whole picture. Did, um, I mean, obviously we went through this huge pandemic. Did that kind of produce those sorts of results more often for you last year? And how did you deal with that? Uh, results in terms of? Of like not meeting their goals or, and stuff like that. Um, I wouldn't say it produced, it produced more outcomes where guys weren't meeting their goals, but it definitely made you aware of that after mm -hmm. having seen them in a while and then seeing them again, like you have to understand that these guys are as invested It may, they may not always, um, show it like, like that they're into it all the time, but they're into it and they believe they, and they work hard. They work their butts off and we have a great group of kids. Um, that's one thing that keeps me motivated. I always feel better, especially coming out of COVID. You feel better. The more you're around our guys, the better you feel about life yeah. <laughs> and things. At least that's how I feel. The more I'm around them, the better I feel about things. So, Yeah. And how much of the, like, when it came to the pandemic, um, 
Was there anything that you took away that maybe is worth keeping around, whether it's like individual training regiments or, um, yeah, like, was there anything you learned that maybe you could implement into your program moving forward? Um, there's certain specific, like certain drills that we had to come up with just for social distancing purposes at a point that we, just, we were like, this is a pretty good drill um, that we've decided to keep in. Um, yeah, we learned a lot in terms of um, efficiency, logistically, that in, in the weight room that, that uh, are things that we've kept um, coming out of it, so. Um, is there any drill that you care to share that um, you said with the social distancing did help? I don't know if you can like paint a picture of Oh, that's hard. Um, there's certain drills where um, if it's that's uh, competitive, like purely competitive, where it's me against you, that that um, due to COVID that we couldn't like tag guys mm. or, you know, you typically we do a drill where it's me against you and you have to avoid me or I have to avoid you and you try to tag me. And there's certain drills that require like visual, more visual uh, perception and reaction that we incorporated that, um, that are really good. Simple uh, stuff that, you know. Yeah, um, I, I do wanna shift gears a little bit because obviously you took over a position in, uh, during like a very tough time uh, for the players, for the program. Um, do you feel like now that this position that you are in is under a microscope? Um, I, I never thought of it as a, a microscope. I think there's standards involved and every, every coach on the, our staff has standards attached to what we do. Um, so I think as a, you know, this is a group, we we're, we're all under the microscope, right? Mm -hmm. Extent. So I just, my more, my greatest focus is on our, our kids more than anything else. As soon as you start worrying about the outside and lose focus of what you're there to do, which is you know change the lives of young people, then you you kind of, I think you're doing it wrong. Right, and um, obviously you said that your mom was from Jamaica, your dad was from Panama, so you are a man of color. Um, have you made any? Have you had any conversations like with your athletes in the weight room um, about? how you're creating a more um, inclusive atmosphere or have any, have any athletes like expressed to you what they'd like to see differently out of this program, you know, moving forward? Um, the biggest thing that I've changed, oh, I, I don't know if it's changed, but that I've started is meeting with kids one-on-one, -on -one, like when they first get here. I think going back to like things that COVID caused you to do, like so COVID, with COVID, I didn't have any um, contact with this incoming group of freshmen because they weren't allowed in the building. A lot of them, their first um, exposure to the football facility is when they first moved in on campus this summer, like three, four weeks ago. So the first thing I did when they came in was, okay, all you freshmen are signing up for an individual meeting with me. I didn't get to know these kids. So I sat them down, hey, what, is your, what did your mom and dad do? Like, where are you from? Like, what are you into outside of football? I tried to make the, the, the meeting wasn't strength conditioning focus. I'm just trying to get you to know, know these kids as people. And the reason behind that was like, I didn't want our first interactions to be negative. I want my first interaction with a kid to be, hey, you're, you're not doing good enough. Or, hey, get your butt moving. 
this kid looks at me like, coach, you don't even know me from a can of, like, you haven't bothered to say hello to me, yet you're ripping me for my performance on the field. Like, I didn't, I just didn't want to create that. Um, and now they're carrying that, that negative um, interaction with me for the next four or five years. So now that we kind of know each other as people, when I do get after him, it's like, okay, I get it now. This guy actually cares about me outside of the sport of football. Because again, we're going to spend so much time with these kids, at least from a strength and conditioning perspective, our staff spends more time with them than anybody else. We got to, it can't just all be business. It can't just all be about weights and numbers. It's got to be like, we're all human and we're all in this together. And we're all have the same goals overall. So let's, let's get to know one another before we go that direction. Yeah. I think what a lot of people forget is that you are kind of the person, you are the person that these players spend the most time with. Um, it's not really the position coaches, at least, Overall, you are the person they see the most often. Um, so I was wondering, are there any like fun personalities in the weight room right now? Like anybody that stands out to you uh, that makes your job a little bit um, entertaining every day? <laughs> oh, I would say, <laughs> say Terry Roberts makes me laugh every single, that guy is, he goes really hard in the weight room and everything that he does, he, he goes, hundred percent. And he's, he's funny. I think he tries to make me laugh on purpose just to, you know, <laughs> and um, is there anybody you've seen, um, really stand out to you performance wise this, this past summer? Um, I'd say they're all, I'd, I'd, I'd say, I don't, I struggle in isolating or singling everybody out because they're all doing well. Like they're all, mm -hmm. they're all improving a lot. So I expected that. Yeah. Coaches never like to single out players <laughs> unless I ask about the fun personality. So, <laughs> um, well, those were actually all the questions that I had for you today. So Ray, I appreciate you coming on the, uh, on Iowa podcast, um, giving us some insight into the strength and conditioning program. So thank you. Oh, it was nice talking to you again, Leah. Appreciate yeah. that. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks everyone for joining and listening to the On Iowa podcast. Um, remember to check out my content on thegazette.com and yeah, we'll have a good one.